Sentire Media. Hello you. You're listening to A History of Italy. Episode 114. More Milan and Popey Come Home. 1345 to 1378. At the end of the last episode, we got to the death of Archbishop of Milan Giovanni Visconti in 1354. We mentioned that despite having had some issues with them, the rule of the Signoria of Milan went to his three nephews, Matteo, Bernabò and Galeazzo. In this episode, we're going to see how they got on, but as promised in the last episode, we won't go into too much detail. This is because, if you remember, I said that the whole situation in northern Italy was so messy with all the intrigue and alliances and enemies and changing and double-crossing and so on that it would be impossible to try and remember every alliance, every league and everything that went on. We did give one example in the last episode, so if you want some details, go back and listen to that and imagine it being repeated over and over, just changing around the dates and the protagonists. We're going to go over just enough to get the Visconti and Milan towards the end of the century, and then we can go and catch up with Venice and then Florence, and, well, of course, pop over to Sardinia because it's almost holiday time, so why not? So, on we go. For you history lovers, you will know very well that triumvirates, the rule of three men, don't usually work out that well. In this case, it was also true. Despite the fact that the three brothers had divided up their spheres of influence, Matteo Visconti didn't make it past the following year, dying of some mysterious ailment in 1355, which was most likely poison ordered by his other two brothers. However, once he was out of the way, things did proceed pretty decently for the two remaining brothers, Galeazzo and Bernabò. They managed not only to stick to their spheres of influence and not get in each other's way, but they also managed to coordinate and get together when necessary. That is, when threatened by external enemies, of which there were always loads. Indeed, they didn't have to wait too long at all. Already in 1354, while the third brother Matteo was still alive, yet another anti-Visconti league was formed which included Venice, Florence and some other cities. At the same time, someone must have been feeling nostalgic about the period in which holy Roman emperors would come down from Germany and wander around Italy, because about this time, well, down came Holy Roman Emperor Charles IV. His first little holiday 
didn't have much of an effect at all, except for maintaining a rather reluctant peace between the Visconti and their enemies. This peace dragged on for the whole time that Charles was in Italy, waltzing around, getting crowned king of the Kingdom of Italy, and then Holy Roman Emperor. Don't you miss those good old days when Holy Roman Emperors would go through the Holy Roman Emperor checklist, i.e. getting crowned king of the Romans in Germany, then getting crowned king of the Kingdom of Italy, and then becoming Holy Roman Emperor? Those days when Holy Roman Emperors actually counted for something? In the case of Charles, he didn't. He would come back to Italy a couple of times, even managed to get excommunicated once he got on the wrong side of the Pope, but he never really achieved much. As soon as he left Italy this first time around, the Milanese and the Anti-Milanese League had at it, with battles won on one side and on the other, but Milan did end up losing Asti in Piedmont, as well as Novara and Bologna in the Emilia area, and of course Genova, which was way out over there on the left and really hard to keep a hold on, and being a maritime republic it wasn't going to stand for being under the rule of Milan for long anyway. However, in all of this toing and froing, Milan had now reached a point of consolidation, no matter how many cities they lost or gained. It had started thanks to the marriage alliances of Uncle Giovanni. Indeed, from the marriage between Galeazzo and Blanche of Savoy in 1351, little baby Gian Galeazzo was born, and this young gentleman had ties to the French royal family. The involvement of Milan on a European level didn't just stop with marriage alliances. The Milanese bankers also got involved. For you French and English history fans, you will know something about a little battle called Poitiers. After that disastrous battle for the French, they had to pay gobs and gobs of money to the English, and a lot of that money was lent to the French by the Milanese. The end of the Battle of Poitiers also caused another problem for the Milanese, and that was in the form of the various Compagnie di Ventura, the companies of sellswords that flocked into Italy because they were no longer needed in France. This didn't mean they hadn't already been in Italy, because they had, and they had been a problem for some time. To give you an idea, we're talking about organisations like the Golden Company from Game of Thrones. Only, in our version, none of the companies ever got destroyed by a dragon who became absolutely invincible while only one or two days before he had seemed like a weak little birdie that could have been plucked out of the sky with a whopping great big metal arrow. Leaving weak plot developments aside, the main issue was that no city wanted to have these groups fighting against them. At the same time, they very often needed the companies to fight against their enemies, and the groups had no qualms about fighting for one city one day and the enemy of the city the next, depending on who forked out more cash. There were various attempts at agreements between the cities to try and curb the use of the compagnie. However, as soon as the cities would agree not to use them, 
they would then turn around and use them. After a short break, we'll see what solution the Visconti came up with for this problem. Now, if you're trying to deal with cell swords, an important thing you need in your arsenal is a lovely, clean, white smile. Indeed, today's episode is brought to you by Brush. Brush is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth and dealing with cutthroats. With a powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Brush redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you just leave the dentist, a fresh whole mouth clean without the lighter wallet, every single day. Our listeners get 15% off the total purchase with code POD15, that's P-O-D-1-5. Follow the link in the show notes and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. And then you too can say, I'm going to brush my teeth. It was Bernabò Visconti who came up with the idea to try and counter the phenomenon of the sellsword compagnie. It worked pretty well, although it didn't eliminate the problem altogether. What was his great idea, I hear you ask? Well, to pay soldiers less. I know that sounds rather silly and counterproductive, but basically the deal was you would get paid less than somebody employed in full-time fighting, but you would get paid even if you didn't actually fight. You would get your eight florins just to be available and on call in case you were needed. That meant that you could go ahead with another profession when you weren't called up to fight, rounding off with your pay when you were called up. Then you could balance out what you would lose when you weren't doing your day job. We must remember also that by this time, the idea of a communal militia paid for by the community and the city was a thing of the past, and violence was now the monopoly of the great signori. Things chugged along in the usual manner until 1365. That is the year in which the Pope at the time, Urban V, decided the holiday of the papacy may be coming to an end and thought it was about time they headed back down to Rome, so he came for an exploratory trip. The Pope soon realised what many popes had realised before him in the current century, and that was that the main problem in Italy was Milan. So, before long, another anti-Visconti League was formed, would you believe it? And this one included the Pope and some Tuscan cities, including good old Florence. Nothing much came of this one either. Urban V didn't last much longer after forming his own little anti-Visconti League in 1369, and when he died the following year, the mantle was taken by Gregory XI. 
He was full gung-ho on the anti-Milan stance and actually launched a crusade against the city, as if that were something new. But that also didn't come to much, and he ended up having to make peace. Although in a big huff, he refused to make peace with any of the ruling brothers and instead opted for a grandson, Azzone, son of Gian Galeazzo, son of Galeazzo. The little tyke was eight years old at the time and also happened to be a nephew of the King of France. The pragmatic Visconti didn't mind about this and the Pope got away with not making peace with his arch enemies. Things turned around so much in the end that ironically, when the Pope got into a fight with Florence, he actually asked a Visconti, Bernabò, to broker a peace treaty. Once again, a Pope had tried and failed to crush the Visconti. It really seemed like they were here to stay. Gregory XI died on the 27th of March, 1378, and after him came trouble. You see, one big thing that Gregory had done was that in 1377 he definitively moved the papacy back to Rome after Urban V's exploratory little trip. Whatever Gregory had planned after that, he died the next year and nothing gets in the way of you setting out your papal plans like your own death. After his death, the Romans started to rabble. They had the papacy back in Rome and by golly, by gosh, they were not going to let it go again this time. They intervened and had an Italian pope elected who became Urban VI. The cardinals, and in particular the French cardinals, were not happy with the new pope. This is particularly because he wanted the cardinals to live a more evangelical life and even get rid of their riches. How dare the silly man! More than anything, it seemed that he was rather arrogant and pushy about the whole thing. The cardinals went off in a big huff to Anagni and elected a French cardinal as Pope who took the name of Clement VII, who very soon legged it off back to Avignon. The result was what came to be known as the Manium Schisma Occidentale, or better, the Western Schism, or Schism, or whatever you want to call it, or the Schism, or Schism, of 1378. I did look into this, and it seems you can say it both ways. If you don't believe me, ask Cambridge and Oxford Online Dictionaries. This wasn't just your usual run-of-the-mill, different factions electing different popes. This soon expanded to all of Europe, with various countries taking sides. Obviously, the French sided with their boy, Clement VII, and whatever the French did, you can bet that the English would do exactly the opposite, so the English sided with Urban VI. And... Whatever the English did, you could bet that the Scottish did exactly the opposite and sided with Clement VII. Then add in Hungary and Poland, who threw in their hats with Urban VI. 
while the kingdoms of the Iberian Peninsula, after sitting on the fence for a while, sided with Clement VII except for the Kingdom of Granada. There will be a pop quiz about which countries sided with who, so be prepared. Things would not get sorted out until about 40 years down the road, but that is a story from another day. As far as we're concerned in Italy, you may remember that Joanna of Naples sided with Clement VII, a very unpopular choice with her people, which in part contributed to her downfall when Urban VI got really annoyed with her and nominated Charles of Durazzo as the real king of the Kingdom of Naples and he would eventually march on down, take the kingdom from her and have poor Joanna killed. The northern states instead sided with Urban VI, although the Visconti of Milan, ever the cautious politicians, did sit on the fence for quite a while. Now we have come back full circle to Avisconti, 1378, as well as being the year of the Great Western Schism, was also the year in which one of the two ruling brothers, Galeazzo, died, leaving his part of the Milanese holdings to his son, the above-mentioned Gian Galeazzo. At the time of his father's death, he was 27 years old and had acted independently since 1375. He ruled with the remaining brother, his uncle Bernabò, for a good 10 years before deposing him in 1385 and claiming sole rule. Although that is also a story that we will get into another time. The important fact to remember is that Gian Galeazzo, due to the fact that his mother was Blanche of Savoy and had connections to royalty, was the first Lord of Milan to make a slight change in the title. Indeed, it is with him that the Lords of Milan started to be known as Dukes. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks also to my Patreon supporters, starting with the second part of the Margarita Hack and Galileo Galilei level, and that is Julia G, Old John in Milwaukee, Kevin, Marcelo P, Mark P, Marxist Leninist Sicilian, Mella, Mike M, Neville, Paradise, Patrizia Kappa, Roberta D, Rod L, Rodney N, Rudy F, Sam, Scott L, Sean M, Shelby, Stephen, and TO5. Obviously, also thanks to the tippy top Maria Montessori and Dante Ligieri level Paolo, Lisa K, JW, Andrew M, Brandon S, David A, Peter W, Kevin O, David L, Rinat, and Sen. Remember, if you are so inclined, you can get in touch. Hello at a history of Italy.com. At the same URL, a history of Italy.com, you can click through to our social media and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or if you wish, also on Instagram. On the support page, you can click through and become a patron on Patreon and have access to extra content, which include the sketches and the news cappuccino feature as well as videos and other lovely stuff. 
Once again, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, arrivederci. Rabble, 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 rabble. What's going on? The people of Rome are revolting. That's a bit harsh. I mean, they do smell a bit. That joke was already old at the time of Augustus. Sorry, what are they complaining about? They want an Italian Pope, preferably a Roman one. Well, for goodness sake! Let's just give them one. I don't want to die in this horrible place. Hey you, Bartolomeo. Yes? You're Italian wannabe Pope? Um, yeah, sure, why not? You have to promise to bring the papacy back to Avignon and not to be too annoying. <laughs> oh, never mind all that. Just crown him already so we can get this crowd off our back. Okay, here you go. Take this tiara. You're the Pope now. Congratulations. Ha ha! I've got you now. We are staying here in Rome and we're going to live according to the rules of the gospel. What rules are those then? Uh, you know, service to fellow man, uh, giving your life to God, uh, living frugal lives of poverty. Where does it say all that? Well, in the Bible, where else? Yeah, like you read it all. Well, yes, I have, many times. You're kidding. Not just the interesting bits with the kings and the battles and stuff. Well, yes, like I said, I mean, haven't you? You should know it off by heart. You're cardinals, for goodness sake. Yes, yes, of course. We were just being silly, you know, joking around. We'll be off now, then. Where are you going? Um, we're just going to go and look for some poor people to give all our stuff to. Yeah, that's it. And we're definitely not going off to Anangi to vote for a different Pope. I have a bad feeling about this. Sentire Media Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentiri Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com. That's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com and find out how to submit your show.